there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. And I want us to go to the Word of God, 2 Kings chapter 9. Sorry, chapter 2 from verse 9. 2 Kings chapter 2, or we can even begin from verse 8. The Bible says, and now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. This is Elijah and Elisha. Then verse 9. It's good to see my cousin Ezekiel. You're welcome. Karibu sano. That's my cousin. You can tell he's doing well. Amen. Don't you think he's doing well? He's using, he's making use of his salary well, isn't it? Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided. By the way, this last, is this this week? Is this this? Yeah, it's this week. Yeah. Yeah, this week. Somebody got a baby and named him Dazwit. Dazwit Zach Njuguna. Hmm? Junior. Uh Pastor Farida got a baby boy together with uh, Zach. And they named him Dazwit Zach Junior. It's amazing. Yeah. So, Miriam, don't take too long. eh? All right. Let's go back to the word of God. Second Kings. Second Kings. Chapter 2. Now, Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a wild wind into heaven. Verse 12. And Elijah saw it because he was there when this spectacular thing was taking place, chariot of fire and horses of fire. He was actually there. That's why it's good for you to be there when there is action. You understand what I'm saying? So tell your neighbor, you have to be there when there is action. And he saw it and he cried, my father, my father. 
the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. It's a very, very clever man. Hmm? He mourns, but he makes sure that there's something in his hand. He took that mantle that had fallen from Elijah's hand and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over. Verse 15. Are you tired of reading the Bible? But some of you, your faces are showing me you're already bored. The one who's saying who? Verse 15. Now, when the sons of the prophets who were from, the, from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to him and bowed to the ground before him. I want to speak on the, subjects that, on the subject, the chariot with horses of fire. The chariot with horses of fire. Now, you need to understand in the ancient biblical times, the mode of transport was not as advanced as it is now. When you study the Bible in the Old Testament, it gives us an inkling of how people used to travel. For example, people used to walk. Like the children of Israel, when they were coming out of Egypt, they literally walked, and they were walking to Canaan, a place that God has or had ordained for them. So look at your neighbor and tell them, walking is very spiritual. Some of you don't walk at all. You walk for a few steps, and you're catching your breath. Tell your neighbor, it is not healthy. Walking is good. And some people think walking is a sign of poverty. It is not a sign of poverty. In fact, the more you walk, the healthier you become. Isn't it true? Yeah. Some of us, we don't walk at all. And it's not good. Please learn to walk. Yeah. Train yourself to go to Canaan. <laughs> By walking, isn't it? So the children of Israel literally walked. So you can imagine walking through the wilderness. It was hot, it was dry, they were under the sweltering heat, scorching sun, walking with sandals, not even nice, beautiful shoes like the ones I'm seeing here. You know, it was sandals, you know, flat sandals. You know, the heel can make it a bit comfortable for you. Can you imagine walking with slippers for two weeks? It's not an easy thing, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, that was one of the ways that people used to move from one place to another. Even Jesus walked, moving from one 
uh, city to another, one village to another. But also we see camels were used. For example, in Genesis chapter 37, verse 25, the Ishmaelites used a camel caravan to transport spices from Gilead to Egypt. So they used camels. Many of us don't know what camels are. How many know what a camel is? Oh, so you do. So you've even eaten a camel. How does it taste? It is like chicken. It is soft. Yeah. If you've not eaten a camel, ujaomoka. May God bless you to a point you can eat a camel in the name of Jesus. And if you have not even eaten a crocodile, you still have a long way to go. May God prosper you to eat some crocodiles in the name of Jesus. You're not saying amen. You don't think it's a powerful prophecy. Yeah. You need to eat some of these things. One of the reasons why, for me, I eat the crocodile. So that when we meet, it will know who is the predator. Yeah, it will know who is on top of the food chain. Very important, isn't it? So they used camels to travel. Uh, even Rebecca, in Genesis chapter 24 and verse uh, 61, she used camels together with her traveling companions to move from one place to another. Another mode of transport that we see in the Bible is the donkey. The good Samaritan used his donkey to transport this man that had been clobbered by thieves and was left for the dead. He used his donkey to transport this wounded man to a nice, beautiful hotel. And he paid all his expenses. Isn't that amazing? Took care of him. I mean, poured oil on his wounds and used his own donkey. And the guy was going somewhere. He used his own donkey, took this guy to the hotel and made sure that he was okay, paid all his expenses. Hey, may God raise someone who can pay for your holiday in Hawaii in the name of Jesus. No, some of you are not saying amen. You are thinking I'm bluffing. I'm not bluffing. I'm prophesying over your life. Yeah, because some of you, even you've never gone to Mombasa, just Mombasa, to be on the beach, to relax, to remove your shoes and step on the white sand. You only see it on pictures. But very soon, you'll be the one in the picture in the name of Jesus. God will raise someone to pay your flight to pay your hotel, to pay for your meals, so that you can go and enjoy a nice time in, in our hotel. Five-star hotel, six-star hotel, seven-star hotel. Somebody shout, yes. Yeah, and you will have dinner in the sea. Yeah, in a ship and music is playing. And you see the sun setting. And you're enjoying the good things and the finer things of life. Please receive this prophecy. Because some of you, the only place you have left or slept is in a lodge. 
Yeah, it's in a lodge. Where you hear what is happening in the next room. All the screaming and the shouting. And the birds are shrieking. <laughs> but tell your neighbor, my level is changing. Pastor Ken, you're very wicked. T tell your neighbor, my level is changing. I wish you had what he told me. <laughs> he told me some people here, the only lodge you know is the green lodge. <laughs> Do you know what Green Lodge is? How many don't know what Green Lodge is? We explain to you. you don't, Lucas, you don't know what Green Lodge is? Please, Philip, explain to Lucas what Green Lodge is. Yeah? It is in a maize plantation or in a bush. But your level is changing. I see you in a five-star hotel, six-star hotel, Seven star hotel. Shout amen in this house. Sit down. It is changing. Amen. Hmm. Jonah. His means was different. He used a sheep. God sent him to Nineveh, but he used a ship to go the opposite direction. He went to Tashish, running away from God, disobeyed God, and used a ship to run away from God. That is John chapter 1 and verse 3. Jonah. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 3. But also you need to know that those who were wealthy, in ancient times, Pastor Victor, it's great to see you. Those who were wealthy in ancient times, they, they were not using donkeys to travel. They were not walking when it came to traveling. Those who were wealthy were using horse-drawn chariots. So when you saw somebody on a horse, you knew that that person has some money. And by the way, even right now, if somebody owns a horse, he must be very rich. You understand? Keeping a horse is more expensive than keeping chickens. Just one horse is very expensive. I have a friend in America, and yes, you'll be there in Jesus' name. And he was giving me a story of how he manages the monies of old rich people. And they have instructed him where to take the money because these rich people have horses. And so as he's doing their taxes, part of the money, he sends the money to where the horses are so that the monies can take care of the horses. And the monies are running into millions of dollars to take care of horses. And it's their money. Isn't it? 
Yeah, some of you, if, if, if you're not careful, you might not even touch a host, leave alone owning one. Yeah, just, just touching. You see the way they touch horses. Yeah, because it's a very expensive animal to keep. Yeah, one time Pastor Mary and I, we went somewhere and we saw horses and we decided to ride the horses. It's a beautiful experience. Yeah, when you sit on the back of a horse, I'm telling you, it is a different back. I cannot go deeper than that. <laughs> Tell anybody it's a different back. That when you move from the horse and sit on the back of a donkey, it is a different back. Then when you move from the donkey and sit on the back of a camel, in fact, the back of a camel is very uncomfortable. It's a different experience. Then when you move from the camel and sit on the back of your wife. Hey, uh, moving on swiftly. <laughs> Ask your neighbor for me, how is your back? Can we continue? So I was talking about horses. Tell you, but please stay in the spirit. We are talking about horses. So those days, people who were riding horses were wealthy people. That's why you see the Ethiopian eunuch. He was a man of great authority under Candence, the queen. He used a chariot, you know, that was pulled by horses in Acts chapter 8 verse 27 to 28. So it was a sign when you saw somebody in a chariot, it was a sign of opulence. It was, it was a sign of prosperity. It was a sign of wealth. So he rose and went when Philip, Philip was being told by the Holy Spirit to go and you know, minister to this guy, the Ethiopian eunuch. He was a big guy. He was a loaded guy reading the book of Isaiah and he couldn't understand what it meant. Now, Jesus rode on a donkey when he was coming into Jerusalem. And the reason why he was riding on a donkey, he was demonstrating humility. Because in most households those days, at least a donkey was there. And donkeys were for common people. You know, donkeys are like Toyota. <laughs> or I should go lower than that. What do you mean? <laughs> Toyota people are not happy. But most people own a Toyota, at least. Isn't it? A Vitz is a Toyota. Axion is a Toyota. Prado is a Toyota. Isn't it? Uh, the other one is what? Probox is a Toyota. Mark II is a Toyota. Yeah, Duet is a Toyota. Isn't it? So if you don't have a Toyota, you can see that you have not even reached the donkey level. So as you are laughing at people who have donkeys, we are asking you, what do you have? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Can all the donkey people shout oh yeah in the house? Yeah, you own a Toyota. You're driving a Toyota. And you're very happy in the Toyota. It has tinted windows. Yeah, you have put a jukebox in the boot. Yeah. To lie to people that you have surround music. Isn't it? But you're enjoying. So a donkey was in every household. And Jesus used a donkey to come to Jerusalem or to enter Jerusalem as a sign of humility. Because he was not entering Jerusalem as a king. He was entering Jerusalem as a lamb that was going to be slaughtered for the sins of the world. Jesus had to humble himself to die. Are you understanding what I'm saying? He had to take the form of a servant for him to die. He had to become a sacrificial lamb. And that's why he rode on a donkey when he was entering Jerusalem. But, tell your neighbor, don't be fooled. He is coming again. This time when he's coming again, he's not coming on a donkey. Oh, I wish I had a witness in this house. He's coming riding on horses. How you understand what I'm saying? Revelation chapter 19 verse 11 to 16. John the revelator said, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse. Mm -hmm. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him. We will also follow him on white horses. Tell your neighbor, I'm changing levels. From a donkey to white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What a thigh. It surpasses all other thighs. It's an anointed thigh. Ask your neighbor, is your thigh anointed? Sit down, we are talking. So Jesus is coming back riding on horses. White he will be on a white horse, symbolizing purity, cleanliness, holiness, no blemish, no spot, no wrinkle, and also symbolizes opulence, wealth, hey, dignity, 
And something else, he will have fire in his eyes. You look at his eyes, you see fire. That's why we are in a fiery conference, isn't it? Yes, we are in a fire conference, isn't it? Jesus will have fire in his eyes. I'm just imagining how he will look. Can you imagine looking at somebody and you see fire in their eyes? Isn't it? Yeah, not sexy eyes. Fire in his eyes. Wow. Beautiful. Amazing. And, and we are seeing that Elijah, when Elijah was leaving the earth, he left the earth with chariots of fire and horses of fire. So Elijah left the earth in style. Mm. He left the earth rich, full of opulence. My goodness, this is powerful. He left the earth in style, horses of fire and chariots of fire. It was a grand entry into heaven. I pray for you. You will not live here poor. You will not live here just owning a donkey or a camel. You will live here in style in the name of Jesus. I prophesy over you, you will die like David. He was full of wealth, full of riches. May that be your portion in the name of Jesus. Receive it in Jesus' name. Look, the, the funeral of a poor man is different from the funeral of a rich man. Sit down. So Elijah left in style. You will live in style as well. But there's something I want you to see here. As Elijah was living with a chariot of fire and houses of fire, there was a transition that was taking place. And that transition triggered certain things in the life of a man called Elisha. And that is what I want us to talk about this morning. That the chariot of fire triggered something in the life of Elisha. So as Elijah was moving to the next level, Elisha also was moving to the next level. Elisha was undergoing a transition into another dimension of ministry. So as we talk about the chariot of fire, I want you to understand that we are talking about what is going to happen to you. What is going to take place in your life when you see the chariot of fire. That's why you are in this fire conference. By the time you leave, a transition will have taken place in your life. Can I get a louder amen? So the first thing that was triggered in the life of Elisha, when he saw the chariot of fire and the horses of fire, number one, we see a separation. There was a separation. The separation was caused by the departure of Elijah. And this separation was not an artificial one. 
It was induced by God. Listen to me carefully. It was not Elijah who induced the separation. It is not Elijah who induced the separation. It is God who induced the separation. You see, when a woman wants to give birth and it is not happening, they induce her. There is something they inject the woman. Yeah, so that they can put to an end to her misery. Because some women can labor for a month. For a month they are just crying. So they, <laughs> they induce you. So that they can bring to an end your suffering. Because laboring is not easy. Yeah, because even as men, we feel it. Yeah, I can't labor for one month. Please, inject her something. Remove the baby. We go home. So it was not induced by Elisha. It was not induced by Elijah. It was induced by God. And the reason why this separation was induced by God is because the time for Elijah to be on earth was over. He needed to move to another dimension of existence. What does this tell us? That as long as your Elijah is alive, you're not supposed to break your connection to him. I can see three people who have clapped. The ones who have not clapped, I've noted you. As long as your Elijah is alive, you should never separate. Because as long as Elijah was alive, Elisha was with Elijah. Elisha was following Elijah. Hallelujah. Elisha was connected to Elijah. But when God brought the chariots of fire, it was to separate Elijah from Elisha because the time for Elijah had come to an end. So as long as Elijah is alive, it is a clear indication that Elisha must be connected to him. It is a clear indication that sons must still be connected to their fathers who are still alive. Can I get a louder amen in this? Because God keeps your Elijah for your connection and for your well-being. He keeps him alive for your connection and for your well-being. The existence of a father in your life means you must maintain connection with him because he's there for a reason and he's alive for a reason. Before God takes him, your responsibility is to follow. That's why Elisha was very clever. He followed. As long as Elijah is alive, I will follow. I will be connected to him. Hallelujah. Yes, where he goes, I will go. Where he will be, I will be there as well. He kept on following and following and following and following. Elijah. Because let me tell you, when you disconnect from your Elijah, you have just short-circuited the potential of your ministry. You can't go far. And you can't do much. And I will show you why. 
You understand what I'm saying? Or I should not show you. Hmm? Should I show you or should I not show you? So Elijah was clever. Tell your neighbor, be clever. They didn't hear you. Tell them again, be clever. Elijah was very clever. He said, I'll not leave this man. I'll follow him. As long as he's alive, my connection to him is sure. Yes, as long as he's alive, my connection to him is sure. Even at some point, Elijah tested him. And he told him, please, don't follow me. Yeah, he told me, I want you to disconnect from me. Don't follow me again. You know, many of us, if your pastor told you that, you will say, thank God, it is what I was waiting for. True or not true? You see me, I, was, I loved him. I gave myself to him. I was very loyal to you, but I have seen. You are not loyal to me. One, one pastor told me that. Yeah, one pastor told me that. He left the church. And one of the reasons why he left, he said, I've been loyal to you. I've given my life to you. I have followed you. I have supported you. I've even tithed. He even quoted the amount that he tithed. Huh? He quoted the amount he had tithed. And he told me that amount he has never given to any other church. Look, all my stories. Some of you look at me and wonder, where is he getting all these things? Tell your neighbor, all our pastor's stories are true. So, and then he said, but me, when I look at you, I don't see like you're loyal to me. You're not committed to me. When I'm in trouble, you don't come. When I'm like this, you don't do this. I'm listening to you, I'm wondering, what are you saying? It's not making sense. But even if I was, it was a test to your loyalty. Because it's not the father who follows the son. It is the son who follows the father. So even if I don't come for your party. Even if I don't come for your wedding. Even if I don't come to kiss your baby. It is a test to you. Yeah. Elijah told Elisha, don't go. Stay here. Don't follow me. I don't want you to follow me. But Elisha was clever. He said, look, unless God separates us, I will follow you. From one city to another city, to another, he kept on following. And sometimes the father should behave as if he doesn't care to see the state of your heart. 
Look, I'm preaching and some people are not liking my message today. Uh, yeah. He, he should behave as if he doesn't care. He, he should even not, sometimes I should not even tell you thank you. Yeah. I should not even say thank you to see how you will behave. Or I should say, what did you do? That is rubbish. What were you trying to do? What kind of preaching is that? What was that? What, what were you saying? You confuse the whole church to see how you will behave. So if you are not loyal, you say, you see? You see? He has confirmed that he doesn't love us. He, in fact, I was waiting for that. It's a confirm. Thank you, Jesus. Tell your neighbor, make sure you pass the test. Make sure you pass the test. Make sure you pass the test. You're not talking to your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, make sure you pass the test. Sit down. You are standing and I've not started. John chapter 8, verse 35. John. John, ace of Achero. How are you? You're very handsome. John chapter 8. The Bible says, And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son <laughs> abides forever. That's the difference. There is a slave and then there is a son. The slave will be there, but not forever. But a son like Elisha, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, the son will be in the house forever. How comes the Bible does not say the father abides in the house forever? Why is it saying the son? Because the son has a tendency of becoming a slave. And he might start thinking like a slave, behaving like a slave, talking like a slave. So a slave will not stay, but a son will stay. Now, slavery is described as the ownership, buying, and selling of human beings for the purpose of forced and unpaid labor. So that means a slave is a person who is forced. Somebody shout forced. He is forced to work. He is forced to obey another because he is considered their property. That is a slave. So when you are forced to work, you have started having slavery mentality. Nobody forced Elisha to follow Elijah. When you are coerced to serve, you have acquired a slavery mentality. 
You want to be forced to sing. You want to be forced to preach. You want to be forced to serve. You want to be forced to come for a conference. You have acquired a slavery mentality. And I am telling you, it's a matter of time. You will not abide in the house forever. Are we together, somebody? Today there are no many amens. Ask your neighbor, do you have a slavery mentality? Huh? Slaves are forced to do things. Slaves are forced to come to church on time to serve. Slaves are forced to register for a conference. Those are slaves. They have slavery mentality. Slaves are shepherds who are in the shepherds WhatsApp group and they don't talk. Oh, 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 you don't want me to preach today. They have to be told, say something for them to say something. You are not a son. You are a slave. But I pray in this conference, we will raise sons in this church. We will raise sons in this ministry. Shout yes! Not slaves. Ask your neighbor, why are you in that group and you're quiet? How many shepherds are here? Lift up your hands. You are a shepherd. Huh? If you are a shepherd, lift up your hand. Why are you quiet in our group? Why are you quiet? You are a slave. It's like we are forcing you to talk. The reason why I am putting information there is so that we can have interaction. And I will talk about interaction. As they were walking together, Elisha and Elijah, there was interaction. interaction. They were talking. Yes. Some of you shepherds, you are too proud. Yes. You are too proud to talk. You are showing us you are deep. You are not deep. You have slavery mentality. You are a deep freezer. You are bringing your coldness in the group. We don't want coldness in the group. We want fire in the group. Everybody is talking. Everybody is saying something. Am I talking to somebody here? Everybody is commenting on the subject that has been presented there. Lay your hands on your neighbor's head and remove slavery mentality from their head. Tell them total deliverance right now in the name of Jesus. Huh? The pastor sends a man and then somebody has to encourage me. Guys, please come and comment. Please guys, come and comment. Come and say something. If, if I am your father, am, am I your father? I'm asking you, am I your father? Where is my honor? Then some of you, you're, you're trying to show that you're so busy. I do, oh, I didn't see it. How can you not check what your father has said on a daily basis? And other WhatsApp groups, you are very, very active. You are in Kilimani Mums and you are very active. 
Isn't it? You are in that investment group, something WhatsApp group. You are very active. You are in that WhatsApp group where they send very funny videos. You are the first one to comment. But for the church. Until we're wondering, should we kick you out of the page? Yeah, because me, I want to interact. Yeah, Elijah and Elisha were interacting, talking, interacting, talking. Because Elisha realized, I am not a slave. I am not being forced to follow this man. I am a son. This is my father. And whatever he says, I want to talk about it. Because I want to know what he's looking for. Sit down, sit down. We are... We are we might not even finish this message. It's like my time is up. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, stop being a slave. A son is forever. Hallelujah. I say a son is forever. A son loves his father. A son loves his home. It's like Elisha following Elijah. Nobody's called. In fact, there were even people who were discouraging him. But he kept on following. Backslidden sons of the prophets. So are you changing? Hmm? Shepherds, are you going to change? Especially shepherds, they are very notorious. Your silence is demonic. Your silence is diabolic. Your silence is like acid. Yes. No wonder even in your group, they don't respond to you. Because you are sowing wrong seeds in my group. Shaitanya Shindu. Riswa. Serve with joy. Amen. Yeah. Even when you are commenting, some comments I see, I see this one is coerced. Yeah. I've sent a whole thing. You respond with one word. Noted. Noted. What have you noted? Yeah, I'm asking, ask your neighbor, what have you noted? What is it that you have noted? Or thumbs up. What is that? Me, I've given you a paragraph. You throw me one line. Noted. Obtuseness. I refuse to be a slave. I say I refuse to be a slave. I want to raise people who love church. Who love the work of God. Who love the work of the ministry? Nobody is coercing you. Nobody is pushing you. You are connected to your father. You have plugged into his vision. You are flowing with him out of joy, passion, enthusiasm, excitement, and fire. Hey. What a word. Sit down. Number. 
You see, when the Bible says a son abides forever, do you know what forever means? That is a marital word. Yes, it's a marital word. We are married. The only thing that can divide us is death. Yes, that's the only thing that can break this bond. Yeah, it's like we're in a marriage relationship. Oh, yes. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. As, as your shepherd, I am married to you. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And you, you are married to me. You understand? So the only thing that can break that bond is death. So as long as I'm alive, we are connected. Forever. Forever. I say forever. Look, I say forever. Yeah. It's forever. Don't be a prostitute. It is forever. Be a faithful shepherd. Be a faithful son. Be a son that abides in the house forever. Am I talking to somebody in this house? Lift your hand and say, Father, forgive me for being unfaithful. Yeah. Look, unfaithfulness is bad. It hurts. Yeah, it hurts. Even silence in a relationship hurts. It's called cold war. Everybody is quiet. You don't know what your husband is planning. You don't know what your wife is planning. Yeah. Somebody cooks food, cooks food, cooks food, comes and throws there and doesn't say anything. Will you eat that food? Some of you, your silence is making us afraid. You don't say anything. You don't leave. You're on the page. You don't say anything. You don't command. You don't. Nothing. You wait until people force you. They send you a message. Yo, have you seen a message has been sent on the page? Go and say something. Then you come and say, noted. Shindwe. Shepherds, we are changing. Pastors, we are changing. I say we are changing in the name of Jesus. Every slavery mentality, I cast it out. Out of this church. Out of the CMGs. Out of every department. Out of this ministry. Out of the pastoral team. I cast it out in the name of Jesus. You will serve willingly. With joy. With passion. With excitement. With enthusiasm. Yes. Amen. Amen. Look at you. Are you here out of joy or you are here because you have been coaxed? You, you are a slave. Yeah, there was a connection. And look, let me tell you. Let me tell you. If I am not connected to you as a shepherd, anybody under you, you have cut them off from me. Yes. And, and I've seen it. I've even seen with some of these branch churches. When the pastor disconnects from me, the members of that church, they also disconnect from me. That's why I don't see them when I'm doing command the month prayer. They don't show up. Because the pastor doesn't show up. They don't come for my conference when I call every branch church to come. They don't come. And their members don't come. CMG Live, 
Thursday. Because the pastor doesn't watch. The members also don't watch. So when you disconnect from me, anybody that is under you disconnects from me. So you have become a witch in the church. You are a spoiler. You are fatting in the church. I'm preaching. I say I'm preaching. As long as Elijah is alive, the connection must be maintained. Strong connection. Very strong connection. Yeah. You should even look. As a good shepherd, you should even look for opportunities to come and introduce your members to me. Yes, and say, this is CMG from um, from Timbuktu. <laughs> these are yeah, these are our people. We meet every Thursday. This one is called so-and-so. He works here. He does this. This one is so called so-and-so. He's married. He has three children. This one uh, Fantastic. Yeah. But you, you think those people are yours. You own them. Then you're trying to control them. Then you poison them against me. You are not a son. You are a slave. And it's a matter of time. Number two, sit down. Hey. My time is up. The chariot of fire triggered a revelation. Elisha had been following Elijah for quite a while, but there was something that he saw at this particular moment, and he used certain words that we have never heard him use them in the course of him following Elijah. After he saw the chariot of fire, oh, my sister Phyllis, it's good to see you. I've missed you. How are you? Oh, you are aging gracefully. Wow. What a sister. What a smile. What did Elisha say? When he saw the chariot of fire, he said, my father. My father. He repeated, my father. My father. My father. My father. So the chariots of fire made him see Elijah as a father. This is a fire conference. I pray that the fire will open your eyes to see who your father is. Tell your neighbor you're not a vagabond and you're not an orphan. Tell them you have a father. But you see, your eyes have to be opened. Yes. Your eyes have to be open. Others you might think is your age mate. He's married and married. He has children. Yeah, I have children. In fact, I'm older than him. Mm, uh, he has beards. I have beards. He speaks English. I can speak even speak English. Yeah. He has a car. I have a car. You can in. Akirusha to Narusha. It has to be revealed to you. Yes, it has to be revealed to you. You understand? And you see, God, God, you see, there's a singer who sang a song, Kazi ya Mungu ina makosa. Yeah? Who sing Which singer is that? See Uchawi something, Nima Yeah, see Uchawi. Yeah? 
sio uchawi ni kazi ya Mungu haina makosa you see most of you you don't listen to gospel music ask you what do you listen to i mean that's a gospel song and you don't even know it but if i say anachukua anaweka you see <laughs> Look, please lay your hands on your neighbor. We need to rebuke some secular songs out of your neighbor's system right now. Rebuke them and cast them out in the name of Jesus. <laughs> he had a revelation and he saw Elijah as a father. You see, I have never told anybody to call me father. And I will never. Because I know it takes revelation for you to receive your pastor as a father. It's not just a title. No. It's a revelation. Yeah. E e Elijah saw Elijah in another dimension. He saw him as a father. That's why he said, oh, my father. My fa and you can see it's a cry of desperation. Yeah, my father, why are you going? My father, my father. It's a cry of desperation. Yeah. I had another very foolish preacher the other day castigating people who call their pastors fathers. And I say, this is a foolish man. It's a foolish man who is well dressed. Dressing does not exempt you from foolishness. Yeah. I have never forgotten. One time I was preaching and I was preaching about fatherhood. I preached. Oh, when I preached about fatherhood, after that, I remember at the end of the service, a man came to me with tears in his eyes. And he told me, I want you to be my father. A man, not even a woman, a man. If a man tells another man, I want you to be a father, you want to say, that is a joke. With tears. Me, I've never even seen Harry's tears. <laughs> Have you ever cried, you? <laughs> <laughs> you cry in the inside. <laughs> I've never seen his, his tears. A man came with tears. And he told me, I have never had a father figure in my life. Please, allow me not to call you pastor, but to call you my father. Then another foolish, well-dressed man says that calling your father, a pastor, a father is foolish. You see, some of you don't understand. There are people here who don't know what fatherhood is. They find fatherhood in the church. They don't know any other thing that is close to fatherhood other than their pastor. And some of these people who speak careless like that is because they have been raised by a father and a mother. So they don't understand. If somebody calls the pastor a father, leave them alone. They know why they are doing it. You leave them. If you want to call your pastor, sir, continue. Leave those who are calling their pastor, father, because they understand. This thing hit me when my father died. I felt cold. I felt vulnerable. I felt exposed. 
when I was told my father has died. And I'm a father myself. But I felt vulnerable. I felt like a garment has been removed from my life. So I don't joke with fatherhood. When somebody tells me I want you to be my father, I take it very seriously because I have felt what it means to lose a biological father. Then you come, this father. You have never reached where some of us have reached. You have never experienced what some of us have experienced. You cannot understand it. So tell your neighbor, stop your. He said, My father, my father. My father, not even our father, my father. When he saw Elijah being taken by the chariot of fire, who is a father? Number one, a father is a provider. A father is a provider. Hallelujah. Elijah had given up his source of livelihood. When Elijah came to him in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 21, he took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. He gave up his profession, followed a man, and made him his father. And there is nowhere it has been recorded that Elijah went without provision. The fatherhood of Elijah over Elisha ensured provision in his life. Elijah or Elijah's fatherhood made Elisha to prosper. Elijah's covering as a father over his life made him prosper and do very well. Look, my sons, I want you to know you will prosper. Because of my covering and my fathering over your life, you will prosper in the name of Jesus. You will never be in lack and want because of my fatherhood. Stay connected and you will see. You will drive cars that you never bought. Live in houses you never bought. Eat from vineyards you never planted. It's the power of fatherhood. Sit down. There is no place is recorded because this guy boiled his animals, boiled his oxen that he lacked. Yeah. Reverend Clifford was a gym instructor. Come. Look at him. He still has the effects of gymming. Isn't it? Yeah. And God called him. Yeah. What happened to the equipment? <laughs> he sold the equipment. Now he's in ministry. Yeah. Watch his life and see. Yeah. I told him next year I have to take him out of this country. Yes, we will travel. I'll take him out of this country. You have a passport? Is it? Is it? It has never been stamped. Yes, because of my fatherhood over your life, it shall be stamped. You will enter multiple countries. Yes, because of the gospel. Yeah, sit down. Are we together, somebody? I mean, tell your neighbor, stop joking with fatherhood. It's, it's, a serious, it's a serious business. Yes, it's a serious, serious business. 
I'm telling you. There is no day Elisha struggled. There is no day. Challenges were there, yes. But the overall picture of Elisha is he's a successful man. Doing very well. Because of the fatherhood of Elijah. Our father is a provider. Amen. And you see, Elisha never became proud. Even as he was getting blessed and enjoying the blessings that were under the canopy of his father. He never became proud. Yeah, because one thing you should guard against as a son is, is when you also start looking like your father. In terms of prosperity. When he flies, you also fly. <laughs> he drives a big car, you also drive a big car. If you're not careful, something can enter your head. Yeah, Elijah, re Elijah remained humble. Yes, and followed Elijah. I mean, I have seen people come to this church. They were broken. They were single, first of all. They were single. Single, emaciated, wameparara na matuta. Huh? Then they got into the church. They had the word. Some of them, I gave them instructions, direct instructions. Say, marry. And they got married. Yes. Then I said, get babies. Then they got babies. Then they said, oh, I'm believing God. I, I want a job. Then I prayed for them. They got a job. The moment they got money and bought a car, they changed. It's a true story. Look, all my stories are true. Until sometimes as a pastor, you wonder, should you pray for people to remain poor? Because when they are poor, they are humble and loyal. When they become rich, they change. Mercy. Me, I even had a guy, I remember, he came with an equipment. I will not tell you which equipment is that. And it was an outdated equipment. So I told him, look, this equipment is very outdated, but what you're trying to do with it, why don't you sell it to us? We give you money. Then you buy the updated version of this equipment and use it to serve God, but also use it to start a business. And he agreed. And we bought it. And he bought a nice equipment. And he started serving God. One day, I felt a prophetic anointing. I called him. And I prophesied over his life. And I told him, I see God blessing you so much. You will be so blessed. You will increase financially. Many years when the church was still young. Several years later, the guy started prospering. He brought even a car. A guy who was not doing well. His wife didn't have a job. Frustrated people. And I dedicated the car. When money started coming in, they changed. The same wife was frustrated that I prayed for. Started fighting the church and fighting us. The father provides, and then the sons use what has been given unto them to fight the father. It is a terrible thing. Look, all my stories are true. This is a true story. You understand what I'm saying? So a father is a provider. Hmm. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 3 to 10. Read it. Paul is saying, we look poor, but we make many rich. Number two, a father is a fierce protector. A father is a fierce protector. He will protect his children. He will protect those 
God has put under his cover. He will cover them. He will fight for them. He will fight for the sons and daughters that God has given unto him. A good example is in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34 to verse number 37. Talks about David. Please give us that verse. Look at David, verse 34. He was a shepherd taking care of the sheep. Then a lion came to attack the sheep. Uh, a bear came to attack the sheep. And look at what David said. But David said to Saul, your servant, I, used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came, look, in the church, lions will come. In a church, bears will come. You get what I'm talking about. You know, Bishop Doug was giving a story that when the church was young, there's a preacher, a seasoned preacher who came to their church to preach. Seasoned preacher. And that seasoned preacher started saying, this ministry is very young, but as you grow, expect this, expect this, expect this, expect this. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. A lion will come. A bear will come. And that time, they could not understand what the man was saying. You see, when the church is young, it is at the honeymoon stage. Everybody is innocent, nice, and sweet. Bishop Doug, several years later, he said, that man of God, everything he said at that particular point when we were young has come to pass. Yeah. That's why sometimes my preaching is very militant. Because I know a lion will come. And a bear will come. And what is the lion coming to do? It's not even coming for the shepherd. It is coming for the lamb. A lion came, a bear came to take a lamb out of the flock. It will target one of you. That's why Jesus said one of you is a devil. The lion will target one of you. Who is that person that is going to be targeted by the lion? Nobody knows. Ask your neighbor, are you the one? Because when Jesus said one of you betray me, all the disciples say, who is the one who is going to betray A lion will come. A bear will come. And David says when the lion came to take a lamb out of the flock, what did he do? Verse 35. Look at what happened in verse 35. Now the Philistines gathered their army. Ah, you. I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. That is a hallmark of a good father. He will fight the lion. He will fight the bear so that he may deliver the lamb from the mouth of the lion and from the mouth of the bear. As long as I'm a pastor over this church, I will fight every lion. I will fight every bear. I will fight every disloyal element so that I may deliver the lamb from destruction. Then the lion turned against him. The way people turn against the pastor on Facebook. They become keyboard warriors. Stop typing things. Huh? Where is the place of forgiveness? <laughs> Where is the place of love? Hmm? They will start typing all those things. David says, I caught it. I caught it by the beard and struck it. And if I be a man of God, you understand that statement? David killed it. Look, he arose against it, caught it by its beard, 
struck it and did what? And killed it. Remember, it's dangerous to try and attack a shepherd. Hmm? Yeah, I was even given a story. I don't know how true it is. This one is I heard from somebody. He was saying that it has been proven the person who put um, what do you call um, what do you call these things? Um, what is pingo in English? Handcuffs on, on Pastor Ezekiel. That he developed rashes. I don't know how true it is. That's not, I heard from somebody. He was telling me that the person who did it developed rashes. And he cannot wear clothes. Yeah, somebody said that yesterday. Yeah. David caught it by its beard, struck it. Why? Because our father will protect the lamb and the sheep. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. That's why some messages, my messages sometimes, they become very militant. What am I trying to do? I'm fighting the lion and I'm fighting the bear. Yeah, I don't want to lose you. I don't want anybody to come and take you away. Yeah, I don't want anybody to come and take you away. They don't know what it has taken me to bath you in the spirit. They don't know. They don't know the pain I've gone through in prayer, laboring, preaching, laboring. They don't know. Yeah. They don't know. That's why you see when those, the two mothers were fighting over a child, the mother that gave birth to that child felt the pain. And she said, don't kill my son. I'd rather have this other woman have my son alive than dead. They don't know. They don't know. They don't know the pain. They don't know. Hallelujah. Amen. They don't know the pain. Bringing people here on a Saturday and they come. You think it's easy? Moving people seven kilometers away. And they follow. Then somebody comes. A lion comes to try and steal one lamb. Oh, I'll fight you. I will grab you by the throat. I'll squeeze life out of you. If I be a man of God. Sit down. A father protects. He's a fierce protector. I say he's a fierce protector. Amen. How many are married here? And you are happily married. Yeah, I have to add the second phrase. You are married and happily married. If somebody plays around with your wife or husband, you will smile with them, isn't it? But if you see, you, if you're not happily married, you'll say, please, continue. Eliminate her quickly. Yeah. In fact, don't be in a hurry. I can even give you a week. Work on her. But a true shepherd loves his people and will not allow anybody to mess up with his people in any way. Can I get an amen? 
Mm. A father is a protector. Let's finish this scripture. There's something I want to show. Please remove the time. Verse 36. Your servant has killed father every lion against your church. We kill it right now in the name of Jesus. Every bear against this commission we destroy it in the name of Jesus. Shout a louder amen in this house. Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. And these uncircumcised Philistines yeah, will be like one of them. Seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Look, when they come to destroy, they have no mercy. When it, is, when it comes to dealing with them, we should also not show mercy. Are we together, somebody? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Some of you own businesses. When you leave, somebody steals the money. Is that somebody you should have in the system? Yeah, should fire and put them in prison until they return your money. Oh, yes. You will not be smiling with them and saying, where is the place of forgiveness? How many times have they stolen from you? And you have alone your servicing. Now they are even repossessing your house. Shetani Shindu. Every lion, may you catch fire in the name of Jesus. Every bear, catch fire right now. Be destroyed in the name of Jesus. Every Goliath, may you come tumbling down in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout a louder, yes! Number three, a father is a progenitor. A father is a progenitor. He's the one who gives birth to another. Elisha called Elijah father because he realized this man has birthed me in the ministry. I was nothing until I met him. I had nothing as far as ministry is concerned until I met this man. I didn't know how to preach. I didn't know how to prophesy. I didn't know how to run a ministry. I didn't even know how to engage with kings until I met Elijah. He's my father in the ministry. He has birthed me in the ministry. Before he met Elijah, he was a specialist of oxen and plowing ministry. When he met Elijah, he started learning ministry. Wow. Elijah taught him how to prophesy. When you're prophesying, prophesy like this. Eh? When you want to see in the spirit, these are some of the things you need to do for you to see in the spirit. When you become a prophet, you should be bold. You should. He started training him. So when he was living, he could, he could tell, this is the guy who, had, who has taught me ministry. I knew nothing. And many of us, we come to church knowing nothing about ministry. We are zero in ministry. Zero. Yes. True. You're not, you're not responding, but it is the truth. Yes. And you become trained in the church. Isn't it? Nobody gave you a microphone. You are not even allowed to pray the last prayer. Even in school, nobody chose you. Yeah. You come to church, now you are chosen. You are anointed. You are prayed for. They make you something. 
They tell you from today, you are the leader of this group, you are the leader of this, whatever, whatever, whatever. If you're not careful, it can get into your head. And you forget that your father is the one that has given birth to you as far as ministry is concerned. Amen. Yeah. I've had pastors who have rebelled. And before they came to this church, they were not even pastors. I am the one who made them pastors. I am the one who prayed for them. I am the one who even introduced them for the first time in their lives. Before people and say, people, from today, call this guy pastor. Huh? Yeah. Another one was working in a, as a bouncer in, in, in disco. Is it disco or what? Came to church. Not nightclub. Yes, I made him a pastor. Until somebody who knew him came and asked, hey, do you know this guy? This guy used to be a bouncer in the nightclub. I said, no, he has changed. Now he's a pastor. My stories are true. All my stories are true. Yes. First, Reverend James Kasioka got saved in this ministry, I think. Isn't it? Which year was that? 2013. 2013. Look, now he's a pastor. He's a reverend, in fact. He's, he's slightly higher a bit. Yes. There are ranks also in the ministry. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Let's see, see, sit down. Sit down. Hmm? So, some of them have even forgotten that I'm the one who made them a pastor. I'm the one who gave them a microphone, stand and preach. I even taught them how to preach. Yes, there was a class. I take them through and I mark their preaching. I mark their preaching. Yeah, one of them came one time and he was standing and he looked at us and he's looking at his nose. He said, I cannot even see what I wrote. <laughs> I am the one who wrote but I, I cannot read I cannot see it's a true look all my stories are true were you there yes <laughs> they forget yes most of the guys here I'm training for ministry, we come even to church at 6 a.m. Yes. Yeah. Go to many churches and try and point a pastor, a senior pastor or a senior bishop of that ministry who wakes up at 6 a.m. in the morning to come and train people for ministry. Yes, he's there at 6 a.m. in the morning. Point, point, count. Let's see how many you can count. Hmm? Count how many pastors have put together a manual like this to train you for ministry. Everything is plain. You read it and you understand ministry. Point to me how many churches. Point. One, one so that we are training the membership. He wanted to, to photocopy. I told him he has to come here. Yes. Show me. Show me. Show me. Yeah? Pastors from the pews. Pastor, Pastor, safe. come and tell me what you're telling me. Huh? 
Look, my stories are true. So let me bring witnesses. You know, in the court, there are witnesses. Yeah, for the evidence to be concrete. You were telling me something about somebody who interacted with my manuals. What did he say? He said that it's a curriculum that um, you be given credit transfers to earn yourself a diploma. That if you go through this and they take your transcripts, they can actually, that Bible college can give you a diploma. And the way they are clapping is like they don't see this is a concrete, it's a concrete evidence. Look, you already have a diploma in a way. Oh yes, in ministry. Yeah. And by the time you are done with the training, I'm telling you, you have done three years of intensive training for ministry. Yes. Then you wake up one day and you think I'm not a father. Bishop Mravi said, Christians have the habit of changing fathers the way we change our underwears every morning. Huh? I have even tried to help you because I realize this church has very young parents. Put up a manual. To teach you how to parent your children and raise your children. Yeah, yeah, 12 weeks. Show me a church that does this. Yeah? I have another one here. Where is the one for marriage? Where is it? Huh? It's not there. I have one for membership. When you join the church, to help you understand what is this church. Some of you are in so many churches, you didn't even know the vision of that church. You didn't even know the doctrine of that church. I have labored to put this to you, so you understand what you're getting into. Then you wake up one day, swing your bambams. Tell your neighbor, you you are momoistic. <laughs> Three years of training. Yes. I am so proud that through my teachings, I have produced a pastor who is leading a church in a different location and it is doing very well. If that's not an anointing, then I don't know what you are looking for. Sit down. Starting point. Practical ministry. Practical ministry. After you have learned, how do you start ministry? How do you start ministry? Practical ministry. How do you become a savior of men? The burden of a shepherd. How do you use your temperaments for ministry? If you are phlegmatic or you are choleric, or you are melancholic, or you are a sanguine. How do you balance all these temperaments for the work of the ministry? You want to learn the anger? Hmm? 
shepherding of souls, charismatic leader, charismatic leader. You see, as a leader, you should not just be a leader, you should be a charismatic leader. Yeah. People don't follow anyone that does not have fire. You must show some fire and people will follow you. Charismatic leadership. Yeah? The breakaway syndrome. Even some of them who have broken away, they were in this class. And they have read the book. And they were shaking their head saying, I can never do that. I cannot, me, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. In fact, some, there's one who told me, I can never go against you. He was even becoming emotional. <laughs> but he still went against me. Because those were crocodile tears. The vision for multiplication. Yes. I believe COT will be one of the biggest ministries in this world. We shall multiply. We shall grow. We shall expand. Get ready for multiplication. That's a vision for multiplication. Yeah, when God called me, he told me, get ready for multitudes. Sit down. I need to finish. The next, the next preacher is already here. Hmm? Hmm. Write this statement. Every time you disrespect a father, you castrate yourself. Every time you disrespect a father, you castrate yourself. In other words, you will never be one. People who rebel against their father, even if they are pastors, they have a very small church. And it will never grow. And that church will be full of orangos. And it's a matter of time. Very soon they will close it. Can I prove to you from the scriptures? Second, someone, chapter 18. Mm -mm -mm -mm. How are we finishing this thing? Second Samuel chapter 18, verse 16. He talks about Absalom. He rose against his father and fought his father. He didn't recognize his father. You see, Elisha recognized Elijah as a father. Absalom never recognized David as a father. He rose against him. So what happened is, Absalom was caught in a tree somewhere and a guy called Job was told that some, 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 uh, Absalom is hanging somewhere and remember our father said, we should not kill him. Job said, no. This is a bad element. We need to kill him. You see, when you're rebellious, yeah? can I tell you something? It's a very powerful revelation. When you're rebellious, the consequences of rebellion outweigh mercy. David wanted Absalom to be shown mercy, but because of his rebellion, the consequences overrode the masses of David. Joab went and killed this guy. And when he killed the guy, look at verse 16. So Joab blew the trumpet and the people returned from pursuing Israel for Joab held back the people. Verse 17. Somebody say powerful. And they took Absalom and cast him into a large pit in the woods and laid a very large heap of stones over him. Then all Israel fled, everyone, to his tent. Verse 18. Now Absalom in his lifetime. Now I want you to get this. Very powerful. 
Absalom in his lifetime, his lifetime that is full of rebellion, fighting his father, going against established leadership. Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up a pillar for himself, which is in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name. And to this day, it is called Absalom Monument. No seed. No fruit. The only thing that was left was a pillar. Because when you are rebellious, you are castrated. You can never be fruitful in ministry. I am telling you the truth. Nothing but the truth. Elisha. When he looked at Elijah, he said, my father, my father. Do you want to be fruitful? Yes. Honor your father. Recognize your father. Love your father. Flow with your father. And fruitfulness will be your portion. I feel like you're resisting my message. Are you receiving my message? Number three. The last one, then I will... Stop. Oh, it's number four. Then the second last one before I stop. Number one is separation. Number two is revelation. Number three is impartation. The chariots of fire released an impartation in the life of Elisha. Now, in the Old Testament, prophets used to wear what we call a mantle. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19, we are seeing, or rather, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 13, we are seeing that Elijah wore a mantle. He wrapped his face in his mantle. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19, he found Elisha, the son of shepherd, who was plowing with the 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. This was not impartation. This was introduction to a life of mentorship. You don't receive impartation for meeting a man of God once. You have to follow. You know, I was listening to Reinhard Bonke. He was talking about how he received his anointing from Jeffries. But before he met Jeffries, he had read so many things about Jeffries. Yeah. So he had followed him. In fact, he thought he was dead. Yeah, he was reading his works, studying his works, reading his books, watching his videos, and he thought he was dead. So one time, he was in London, and he was just walking, and then he saw a house is written, Geoff, George Jeffries. And then he said, ah, is this the guy I've been reading about? I thought he was dead, but he said, anyway, since I still have time, let me, let me, let me just check it out. So he went and pressed the bell. And then a nurse came out, stood at the gate, or rather at the door. And he asked her, is this the house of George Jeffries? He said, yes. Can I see him? The nurse said, no. 
But Jeffries was behind. He said, let him in. And Bonke entered and he told this man of God, I've been following you, I've been reading what you did. I've seen you brought a lot of revival in England. I have, I have a passion to go to Africa, to go and do the work of the ministry. I, 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 can you pray for me? You see, he had already followed him for many years. Studied him for many years. When he laid his hands on him, that is how Bonke received the anointing to come to Africa and to perform miracles. So you can't just meet somebody out of nowhere and then say, lay your hands on me and then I'll receive an impartation. It doesn't work like that. You have to follow. So he threw the mantle once, but it did not mean that this guy had received something. It was an introduction to mentorship. Then he kept on following and following and following. From Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho, they crossed the Jordan together. And then a time for impartation came. Look at verse 8 of 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 8. I'm almost finished. 2 Kings. Tell your neighbor, you have to follow. For a long time. Tell them again, you have to follow. For a long time. Now Elijah, Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that way, so that the two of them crossed over to on, on, on dry ground. He took what? He took what? He took what? He took what? Come on, talk to me. He took what? He took what? The mantle, which was just a garment that he was wearing. Yes, it was a cloak, a garment, an outer garment. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask. Tell your neighbor interaction. They were talking. Ask what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. Elisha said, please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. I, I desire what you carry. I desire what you want. You see, when you have a revelation of who your father is, you will desire what your father carries. Talk to me, somebody. You will desire the anointing he carries. That's why one time I was teaching you, you have to admire what your pastor has. Because admiration attracts impartation. Hey! That's a profound statement, isn't it? You have to admire what he carries. You have to admire the anointing that he carries. You have to admire the grace that he carries. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Talk to me, somebody. Am I talking to you? You have to admire it. You have to say, I desire this thing. I desire what my pastor is carrying. Look, what I'm doing right now is I'm dispensing the anointing. And you have to desire the anointing. You have to desire the grace of God upon my life. The grace to be able to do mighty works of God. You should be able to desire it. Because if you don't desire it, it will never come to you. Oh yes, you have to desire Are you hungry for this anointing? Are you hungry for this grace? Are you hungry for this power? He said, I want what is in you. And I want double. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me, when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Look, he told him, look, you have to be with me all the time. Because even me, I don't know when I'm leaving. Yeah. I don't know. So you have to be with me all the time. Can you imagine how difficult it was for Elisha? 
He had to follow Elijah everywhere he is going. That's why me, I really like this harvest family, sons and daughters. They always want to be where their father is. When their father is going somewhere, they are always there. I pray that the same culture will come to COT. That where I am, you will desire to be there. Shout a louder amen in this house. Receive that flu. Of desiring to be where I am all the time. Yes. Yeah, look, they have come. Yeah. They are not sneezing. They have not received it. Receive that flu of desiring to be where I am all the time. Yeah. Are you catching it? Catch it. Oh, yes. And you should not, it should not be. Look, the premium was on Elisha. The demand was on Elisha. Yes, I should not tell you, please, I want to go with you somewhere. No. I like what Pastor Jimmy said yesterday. Now he doesn't say he wants to see who will come out of their own volition. And what time. Hmm? And what time. Elisha told him, if you see me, go. That's it. So he had to make sure everywhere Elijah is going, he got the itinerary of Elijah, which crusade is going to do, which meetings he's going to do, which conferences he's going to attend, when is he traveling, save some money, buy a ticket, you also travel with him. Even if I don't buy for you a ticket, you should buy it yourself. Because you want the anointing. You are craving for the anointing. Or you think there is no anointing here? Huh? There's a very strong anointing here. Receive the anointing today. I release the grace and the anointing of God upon your life. Shout, I receive it. Yes. He followed. Give me the scripture. Remove the time. Then it happened. As they continued on and talked. They were having face-to-face -face interaction. As they continued talking on the WhatsApp group, talking on the shepherd's WhatsApp group, as they continued. Give somebody a high five and tell them I'm changing from today. I'll not be quiet from today. Every demon of silence will cast you out in the name of Jesus. You will interact with your pastor. You will fellowship with your pastor. You will desire to be where your pastor is. You will want to be where he's preaching, where he's ministering. Shout a louder yes in this house. That suddenly, hey, a chariot of fire appeared with hoses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into the heaven. Look at verse 12. What happened? And Elisha saw it and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and his horsemen. So he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes. Elijah was wearing something. Sorry, Elisha was wearing something. But it was not as powerful as the one Elijah was wearing. Oh, oh, yes. He was also wearing something. He had a mantle, he had a garment. But it was not as powerful as the one Elijah was wearing. No wonder he tore his into two pieces. Verse 13. Then what happened? He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him 
and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And he used the same mantle that Elijah used to part the river Jordan. He struck it, the water, and he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he, has also, he, had, he had also struck the water, it was divided this way and that way. And Elijah crossed over. That was a sign that what he was chasing for, he had already received. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray in this fire conference, you will receive an impartation. An impartation to perform miracles. An impartation to build churches. An impartation to raise pastors. An impartation to raise shepherds. An impartation to plant churches. If you believe it, shout a louder yes in this house. Give five people high ten and tell them I'm receiving an impartation. From my father. To do greater works. I'm receiving an impartation. For the work of the ministry. Hey. Oh yes. Oh yes. I release an impartation. I release an anointing. I release a grace. I release a fire. To build a mega church. I release a grace upon pastors in this house. Receive an impartation. For the miraculous in your ministry. Receive an impartation. To buy church land. And to build a cathedral. Receive an impartation for a mega church. Shout, I receive it. He received something because of following, and it was double. Somebody say double. Say again, double. You know, an impartation will do more than education. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. So receive an impartation today. I say receive an impartation today. An impartation for ministry. For ministry. For ministry. My goodness. The last thing is reproduction. While you're standing, reproduction. Somebody say reproduction. That means every member of the church should carry the spirit of the father. Yes, every member of the church should carry the spirit of the father. The Bible says now when the sons of the prophets, verse 15, who were from Jericho saw him, saw who? Elisha. Ah. They looked at him. You see, these sons of the prophets are the ones who orangolized and left the mentorship of Elisha, of Elijah. That's why they were standing at a distance. When Elisha is following, look, be watchful of people who stand at a distance. Stand aloof. When you're trying to get the anointing, they even tell you, even you, uh, you, you also go to that church. Yeah. You, you also go to harvest. Family. Yeah. Hey. You know us, we used to be there. But ask us why we are not following anymore. Oh, you're, you're, you're going to City of Transformation. Uh, we are the ones who started. Yeah, we are the we are the we are the foundation blocks. Yeah, we are the. But ask us why we are standing at a. Ask us. We will give you the entire story. 
sons of the... If you see Pastor Bonnie has come, then you, he tells you I'm anointed. He was very far. Now he has come. The anointing is flowing. Well, they will tell you all those things. The sons of the prophets were staying, standing at a distance talking to Elisha and he's telling, them, he's telling them shut up. That's what you need to tell those people. You need to tell them shut up. If you are not in Harvest Family, shut up. If you are not in TGL, shut up. If you are not in City of Transformation Church, shut up. Because I know what I'm looking for. I know what I'm chasing. I know what I'm running after. When he got it, he came back. Look, the sons of the prophets did not even cross the Jordan. Even when it was parted this way and that way. They didn't cross. It's only Elisha who crossed. Yes, when he came back, <laughs> when he came back, he found them at the same place. Same spot and same level. But this was a different... This was a different Elisha. It is not the Elisha they used to know. This was a different Elisha. I prophesy over your life. When you leave this conference, you'll not be the pastor they knew, the leader they knew, the shepherd they knew. You have received an impartation. Shout yeah! They looked at him from far. And they looked at Elisha and they said, Hmm something has changed they said the spirit of Elijah rests on Elijah the spirit not even the spirit of the Lord the spirit one day God told Moses choose 70 elders I'll cure spirit and distribute it among these 70 elders yeah the spirit of the pastor should be in every member and your work as a shepherd or assistant pastor is to ensure that the distribution of the spirit of your pastor yes. is going all the way to the grassroots level. Yes, it should go. I should come to your CMG or harvest group or whatever, and I hear the voice of your pastor. I should not hear the voice of a Nigerian preacher. Or a prophet from Senegal. I should hear the voice of your pastor. Yes. Yeah. When one of them is told at that small setting group, stand up and pray. They should pray like your pastor. Yeah. Do you hear your father repeating, Father God, Father God, Father God, Father God, Father God, Father God, as we come, you Father God, right now, Father God, we go, Father God, hallelujah. Do you hear your pastor saying that? Where did you get this Father God thing from? Who is Father God? The prayer is full of Father God and no content. Is that how your pastor prays? <laughs> the spirit of Elijah rests on Elijah. He had received an impartation and there was reproduction. Elijah had reproduced himself in Elisha. And this is the thing. There was an opportunity for Elijah to reproduce himself 
50 times those sons of the prophet let me let me try this side are you understand what I'm saying there was an opportunity for Elijah to reproduce himself 50 times they are still not getting it can, can I try this side I said there was an opportunity for Elijah to reproduce himself 50 times. But whose responsibility was it for that to happen? Not Elijah. It was the sons. That's why I told you from the beginning, it's not the father who follows the son. It is the son to follow the father. Even when the father is making it difficult for the son to follow. The son must follow because it will reveal the quality of your heart. Only one followed. Out of 51. And the one who followed was not even a son of a prophet. He was a businessman. But he came with humility. Ready to learn. But these ones, they had a gift of prophecy. They could see some things. They could see Elijah is being taken. But they were satisfied with that. But just because you can see is not enough. You need an impartation. Ministry requires maturity. Oh yes, balance, maturity. There's so many things in ministry. It's a cocktail of many things. But they were satisfied with what they were seeing. And they missed the impartation. Elisha caught it. It was such a rich anointing that even when he was dead, his bones resurrected a corpse. I pray you'll not miss it. I pray in your church you will be like Elisha. Not like the sons of the prophets. You'll be like Elisha. You will catch it in the name of Jesus. Throw your hands and speak in tongues for a minute. Receive an impartation. Receive a grace right now. Oh, Become a follower. Ardent follower. Committed follower of your shepherd, of your pastor. Oh, Oh, yes, 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 oh, yes. Receive an impartation. Receive an impartation. Receive an impartation. Receive an impartation. Receive the fire. Receive the fire for ministry. Receive an impartation for the work of God. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray we shall be like Elisha. I pray we shall not be like the sons of the prophets who stood aloof, stood from far, had an indifferent spirit. I pray we shall be like Elisha. We shall follow. We shall follow. We shall follow. In this fire conference, we are changing our priorities. We are lifting and raising our commitment to follow we will have revelation in the name of Jesus. We shall receive impartation in the name of Jesus. We shall become replicas in the spirit of our spiritual father in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, O oh God. Thank you, O oh Master. Thank 
you, Jesus, for a strong impartation upon our lives for ministry. We shall perform miracles. We shall raise growing churches. Well, yes, we shall raise leaders. Yes, we shall become an allos. An allos, an allos, an allos. An allos, an allos, an allos. An allos of our Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. And we give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. We shout a big amen. Come on, somebody give God some praise. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.